News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. The Pete Callender Show, hour number three. Underway right now, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. I was going over the uh, the story, and look, it had been building for a couple of days, and that's why it's kind of all packed into the first two hours of the show, is there's just been a lot of developments going on around Madison Cawthorn, the congressman from North Carolina's 11th District, the uh, far west that used to be where I lived, and um, so I covered his election. I moderated a debate with him and Mo Davis. I've interviewed him. I've interviewed his opponents. Well, not Mo Davis. Mo blocked me. So, uh, well, I mean, that tends to happen after you out the guy for his, you know, death tweet fetishes. Anyway, um, yeah, violence porn he was basically doing on Twitter. I got some responses here to uh, to the coverage I've been giving so far today. So let me get to uh, a couple of emails here. This is from David. Uh, who says Madison is probably telling the truth about the orgies and the uh, the cocaine use and such. Even Nixon said Bohemian Grove was a drug-infested orgy. I bet McCarthy does coke with Newsom. Of course they do. Mostly elites do. Old news. Thanks, Pete. <laughs> so that's from David. Um, now, to that point, actually, hang on. Um, yeah, here. Piece today at Carolina Journal by Ray Nothstein. He's the opinion editor and Second Amendment research fellow at the John Locke Foundation. He says it's not the first time somebody in their 20s exaggerates either to impress people or make themselves look better than their peers, right? Maybe it's a way to take attention off of his own failed marriage, moral shortcomings, and other public or private sins. Maybe Cawthorn is addicted to being in the news cycle. Still, it's believable because the accusations are in part proven out continually through history. Right. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Who remembers the recent sexual scandals of former U.S. Representative Katie Hill, Anthony Weiner, Dennis Hastert, Mark Foley, Tim Murphy? These are just a few of the names. Nothstein then says, I can remember going to Capitol Hill and seeing some of my heroes from C-SPAN sloshed by mid-morning. So drunk by mid-morning as they roamed the corridors of power. Young women were warned to avoid certain members, some who are now in much more powerful positions today. It's tawdry gossip and storytelling. We don't have to like or be a fan of Madison Cawthorn to know that power is corrupting and it can quickly debase us. Anybody pretending the vast majority in Washington are merely putting their heads down and toiling for the common good is either ideological cheerleaders or they're not paying attention to the news. And I agree. See, here's the thing. I cannot tell you whether or not what Cawthorn originally said was true or not. I don't know. I don't know if somebody's inviting him to a to an orgy. Have you seen have you seen what Ben Dreyfus has said today on this? Ben Dreyfus, the son of uh Richard Dreyfus, the actor. Ben Dreyfus was also former media guy. Maybe I'll find his tweet. It is well, now that I promoted it, let me just, Ben Dreyfus, there he is, it is, um, there, wow, okay, it is, oh, it is, well, I'm just going to have to read it, he says, look, I'm just going to say what we're all thinking, why would someone invite 
someone in a wheelchair to an orgy. He says, I'm certainly happy that woke people on Twitter complaining about this would like me to know that in theory, if they had an orgy, they would all invite all the people in wheelchairs that they know. He says, but if I was throwing an orgy, I would base my invitations on their abilities to be active participants in the orgy and to make the entire experience better for the group. I wouldn't invite anyone in a wheelchair. I wouldn't invite people who are even slightly unathletic. I just think it would be weird to throw an orgy and not inform people in advance that someone in a wheelchair was coming. I mean, have you slept with someone who's, you know, in a wheelchair? He says, I have not. And I would want some time to do some Googling beforehand. And I think that's actually a pretty considerate thing to recognize, right? So this way, people are prepared for that. I don't think that's a spur-of-the-moment kind of a deal. People seem to be treating this orgy like it's the Oscars and that representation is important. But my orgy is not about showing society at its best, okay? My orgy is about like-minded, sexy people who want to uh, fornicate athletically in a glamorous group. I'm sorry that this isn't going to perfectly represent all the different types of people in the world. This is like, I got to believe this is April 1st kind of stuff, but this is where he went with it. Ben Dreyfus, he goes on and on, and then he gets blown up on Twitter over all this. So again, I don't know whether Cawthorn's story was true. You don't either. But, now, I got this story that McCarthy has a sit-down with him, and Cawthorn says that it wasn't true. So now, am I supposed to believe McCarthy? And now, Cawthorn allegedly tells Roger Stone, who I don't trust, but tells Roger Stone that he didn't recant, he didn't say that. So now, you got Cawthorn calling McCarthy a liar, and McCarthy calling Cawthorn a liar? This is not good. For the Republican Party, this is not good. And by the way... That's why the Democrats are having so much fun with it. They know that this can be damaging. Also, there's an Operation Chaos going on in uh, Western North Carolina right now where Democrat organizations are urging registered Democrats to re-register as unaffiliated so they can then go vote in the GOP primary and vote for a woman named Wendy Navarez. That's their preferred pick because they know that a Democrat is not going to win in the general election. So if they're going to try to knock off Cawthorn, they're going to have to do it in the primary. So back Wendy Navarez, who isn't exactly dis uh, uh, distancing herself from the tactic and isn't exactly stiff-arming these groups. She'll take the votes any way she can. And, uh, well, not in any way, but she'll, she'll, take, she she'll welcome that support. She'll claim, like, I'm not going to sell out my principles and all this, but... Some of her principles, some of her beliefs, particularly on the abortion issue, not exactly conservative. That's not going to happen. Uh, George, I'll just tell you right now, that's not going to happen with Tom. Um, so let me get back to this Ray Nothstein piece. He says, just real quick, he says, we may not like Cawthorn or uh, may believe he's one of the biggest frauds in Congress. Still, it's just as likely he's telling us something we already know about Washington and the human condition itself. That's an important reminder, not only for our lives, but who we elect and what kind of power we want them to have over us. And that's that's good. I think that's a very good point. Because we all know this garbage occurs up in D.C. We do. Absolutely. People get drunk on power and 
There are all sorts of, you know, that people use their positions of power for all sorts of personal reasons and things to advance certain agendas, right? So, of course, yes, that's not new. Not new. But as for the specific charge, I do kind of think somebody needs, we're going to need some names now because now everybody's calling each other liars. So you're going to have to come off with some names. That's what's got to happen. I mean, what do I know? I'm just a radio host. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I mentioned earlier Tom Tillis. <clears throat> and uh, it always cracks me up when the editors at the McClatchy Papers offer the advice to elected officials on how they could earn some more, you know, kudos from the editors. <laughs> the free advice. These, like, If you're reading the editor's of the McClatchy papers, if you're a Republican and you're reading the editorial board's work in order to get guidance on, well, anything, what's the old axiom? Uh, was it, who was it? It was a baseball coach. He said uh, something to the effect of, if you listen to the fans long enough, you'll eventually be sitting with them. Yeah. We get the usual... Republicans need to do what Democrats want because that's statesmanship. There's so many of these advice columns, and that's what they are. These are advice columns, unsolicited, at least with like real advice columns like Dear Abby, right? People would actually write in and say, hey, I have a question. I have a concern. I got a problem. Can you give me some advice? The editorial board, they don't even need a question. They just offer it up unsolicited. Thanks a lot. Not needed. So this week they went after Tom Tillis after Tillis announced that he would be voting against Ketanji Brown Jackson's nomination to the U.S. Supreme Court, despite her strong qualifications and support across the legal community. Uh, Somebody can just a heads up on this. Somebody can be qualified for a position. They could have the credentials necessary and still not be a good fit for a job. For example, uh, if you are, let me put it in terms the McClatchy people would know, uh, like, let's say you're a really good fiction writer. You would probably make a pretty good journalist. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You would, theoretically, you probably would make a bad journalist. People who can construct all sorts of stories in their own minds and then have those stories almost become real just once they're imagined. They're not really very good at sticking to the facts. They, they allow themselves to get kind of carried away with a particular story or narrative. I've seen it firsthand. Anyway, um, this idea that she has strong qualifications and support across the legal community. And so therefore she should get the, Uh, the concurrence from Senator Tillis, I reject. I reject that. That's not the role. It's advise and consent. There are two portions there. Now, look, you can uh, argue that, well, for all these years, you know, Republicans were always going along. And that's true. The Republicans would almost always consent to whomever it was that was nominated by the president uh, that was a Democrat. Virtually all the time. 
Now, the Democrats have not been playing that way. Democrats have been uh, voting against. I mean, they've been filibustering judicial nominees. They've been smearing them as rapists and sexual abusers, right? They've been doing this for decades, ever since Joe Biden actually was in charge of the judiciary, Senate Judiciary Committee. That's how Democrats have treated Republican nominees. And now you got Republicans who are saying, yes, you're qualified, but I have concerns about your ability to refrain, to restrain yourself from legislating from the bench. I have concerns about your judgment, which newsflash to the McClatchy editors, that's the gig. That's the gig. It's about judging. Her opinions about things related to law and society are relevant because the gig requires her to offer opinions. It's so obvious it just escaped them, I'm sure. So Tillis noted that Jackson's nomination was historic, but said he was voting no because he was concerned Jackson may legislate from the bench instead of consistently following the Constitution as written. Yeah. I have that same concern for virtually every single Democrat judge. I'm sorry. I do. I have that concern. The, the, the judicial philosophy that has infected the left in this country, I don't trust any of them. They make up stuff. They make up laws. I went over it the other day with the felon voting stuff, right? These judges, they just conjured up intent. They, 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 they said... Oh, yeah, the Constitution was racist when it banned felons from voting. Oh, and then in 1973, when black Democrats and the NAACP loosened the rules in order to allow felons to vote after or convicted felons to vote after the term of their service, their probation and parole was over. These judges then turned around and said that law is unconstitutional as well. That's racist in intent, even though it was black Democrats and the NAACP that pushed it. And then when they undid the rule from 1973, it leaves standing the only pre-existing rule, which says felons can't vote. So then they just upended that. So, oh, that doesn't count either. So, yes, I have a bit of a concern about Democrats legislating from the bench because Democrats kind of legislate from the bench. Right? That wisdom is, this wisdom is born out of observing observational data it's widespread panic happy friday news talk 1110 and 99.3 wbt so uh the mcclatchy editorial board has decided to offer tom tillis some advice which is to you know fall in line and do what democrats want or else you stink as a statesman and i'm sure i'm sure it's a very compelling argument positive he'll he'll be listening um they say that his decision to vote no on the confirmation of katanji brown jackson was uh, not a surprising decision but it was disappointing Last week, during Jackson's confirmation hearings, Tillis appeared ready to provide the kind of leadership North Carolina and his country needs. Leadership that goes along with Democrats. 
While his Republican colleagues engaged in a shameful distortions and bizarre questioning of Jackson. Bizarre question? You mean like what, was, like what does boof mean? Or do you like beer? Or does the dogma live strong in you? Or have you ever committed gang rape? Though, like questions like that? Or are those, oh, no, that's not bizarre because those are the questions that get thrown at Republican nominees. Bizarre questions like, hey, why did you sentence these people when you were a judge to such light sentences? Which seems to me pretty germane to the job application in question. Uh, Tillis spoke of respecting Jackson's record beliefs and work and said that he would, quote, listen thoroughly and keep an open mind as I do with every nominee before the committee. In those moments, Tillis appeared to recognize an opportunity to be something bigger than the fight his party wanted to pick over Jackson. He could have been a Republican that we still hate but does what we want. He could have been that for us. He appeared to be open to recognizing the historic candidacy of a black woman and an eminently qualified one. He, he said he was. He said he was open to it. See, you just want him to arrive at the conclusion you wanted him to arrive at. And so now you're just assuming bad faith that he arrived at a different opinion. See, that's the thing about freedom, guys. If Tillis goes into it saying, look, I'm going to keep an open mind. I'm going to ask you some questions. We'll go over some of the stuff and uh, I'll make a decision after that. And then he comes to a different conclusion. Your assumption is that the fix was in from the beginning and he was operating in bad faith the entire time. Why would you assume that? Did he give you a reason to believe that he was operating in bad faith? I'm not making the case that he wasn't or was. I'm just curious how you know he was. How do you know he was operating in bad faith? You're, you're reverse engineering his decision in order to formulate a fundamental assumption about his approach. And it's, you don't know that. I know, I know. I'm, I'm asking for actual evidence to be the, the foundation for journalism. And I'm, I'm a bit old-fashioned like that. I get it. Well, Pete, this is an editorial. So it's our opinion. It's not really journalism. They go on to say, it wasn't long ago when senators made at least some attempt to evaluate Supreme Court candidates on merit. See, again, assuming here that no Republicans actually did this. The only way that they, uh, the only person they cite here is, of course, Susan Collins, who said she would vote to support the nomination. And so they see that as proof that she obviously did what was required, what she was supposed to do, that uh, you know, she uh, made an attempt to evaluate the candidate based on th- on her merits because she arrived at the conclusion that we arrived at. So therefore, she was operating in good faith. So what does this indicate? That there's no way for somebody to arrive at a different conclusion than the brain trust at the editorial board. You can't come to a different conclusion and be operating in good faith. It's the fundamental assumption that guides so many people on the political left and the media. But I repeat myself. But after decades of smearing Republican nominees, blocking them and such, now we lament the loss of the bygone era. Now, it oh man, I remember the days when, you know, people would, 
would support the nominee even if they didn't agree with their judicial philosophy. Yeah, you know what? Pound sand, guys. Gloves are off. Sorry. Pound sand. We're done. I'm done. You guys you guys left the proverbial floater in the punch bowl with Kavanaugh, with uh, Alberto Gonzalez, Miguel Estrada. Sorry. Done. Neil Gorsuch, Robert Borg, Justice Thomas. Done. But this is my favorite part. They say, Oh, woe for the days, you know, when the Supreme Court candidates were judged on their merits, not just the party of the president who made the nomination. And then they offer up as the examples of this. David Souter, <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Elena Kagan, and Sonia Sotomayor. So, first of all, three of those four are Democrat appointees. So they're lamenting the days when Republicans just gave the green light to every one of these uh, nominees that were uh, coming from a Democrat. And then they throw David Souter in there. Souter was a George H.W. Bush nominee from 1990. That's the most recent example they can get of a guy that wasn't just absolutely dragged by Democrats in the process. That's the latest example. Whatever happened to the the old days where, you know, senators wouldn't do this sort of thing? Like most recently, David Souter in 1990. Guys, that's 32 years ago. 32 years ago. That's the most recent example you can find of a Republican nominee not being blocked. Good work, McClatchy. That's some bang-up work. Hello, Tony. Welcome to the show. What's going on? Yeah, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm good. What's up? Yeah, I was uh, wondering, you know, nobody's perfect, man. No, you know, no Supreme Court justice is perfect. So yeah. What, what, what do you want from this Katan, Katan uh, Jackson? I, w- I would prefer that she not divine new meanings to words in order to advance a preconceived biased uh, opinion or to to push an agenda through that could not otherwise pass through the legislative bodies. Okay, like what? Give what's the example. Well, this is her judicial philosophy would inform these sorts of decisions. And when you have a philosophy that sort of views the Constitution as, uh, you know, what they call the living, breathing document, one that needs to adapt to the current times and such. Right. And so that is that is a uh, that is a philosophy that lives on the left. And uh, said that. Huh? She never said that. She said her. Philosophy. I'm saying no. Well, you well, Tony, you asked me, and what I'm saying is that is a philosophy that lives on the uh, the left politically, and the oh. the organization that has spent millions of dollars to push her candidacy through, her nomination through, and to target a South Carolina judge uh, for uh, uh, so she doesn't get the pick. That organization is a far left wing group. And you have to ask yourself, what do they know about that candidate that they would spend that kind of time, effort, and money to advance her nomination? Why do you think? Why do you think Demand Justice would spend that kind of money? Okay, now I, all those things that you said—that's that's that's across the line. That's back and forth. They're going to spend money. Why on these candidates? I, I agree, but why? Why does Demand Justice pick her? 
Why did who? Demand justice. That's the group. Why? This is a group that wants to pack the courts. This is a group that wants to add more seats to the Supreme Court so they can stuff a whole bunch of leftists on there to reinterpret constitutional language to make it more progressive. So why are they spending? Why are they spending that kind of money to go after other liberal justices or judges that could have been nominated? Why are they going for her and not for the others? Okay, I got it. The, the, the person you wanted didn't get picked. No, I, I have, I, I'd have no dog in the fight. I know she, she's a, she's a Democrat nominee. I expect a level of Democratic uh, behavior and opinion. But I want to know why Demand Justice is shelling out all this money to run her nomination. What is it about her judicial philosophy that they love so much? Well, I, I don't. She never. She never. She said. She never said anything about. Bingo, Tony. Bingo. She won't say. She won't say. So what does that tell you? When you can't tell me what your judicial philosophy is, that's a problem because that's the gig. I got to run. Tony, I appreciate the call. It's a fair question. I appreciate the call. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. I'm sure that Tom Tillis, U.S. Senator from North Carolina, uh, will reassess his opinion about whether or not to vote for the confirmation of Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson now that the McClatchy editorial board has told him that uh, if uh, he wants to be appreciated as a statesman by them, um, I mean, not like not that there's really any value in that, but that if that's what he wants, then he needs to vote for her, even though he has misgivings about her judicial philosophy and whether or not she will uh, be an activist judge and legislate from the bench. Tillis largely avoided uh, theatrics. He signed a letter uh, from Ted Cruz, though, to committee chair Dick Durbin asking for documents from probation efforts in a handful of child pornography cases that have made up the bulk of questioning about her decisions. Ultimately and unfortunately, they say Tillis couldn't bring himself to stray too far It's part of a pattern for the North Carolina junior senator. He positions himself as a moderate Republican and reasonable public official, touting bipartisan votes and work across the aisle. He had an opportunity once again to represent all of his purplish state, including the many who are troubled at the tenor of American politics. See what they're saying here is it's never enough. He works across the aisle. He he draws the wrath of Republicans and grassroots uh, conservatives. For doing so, they see him as a rhino, and it's never enough because he won't sign on to this. None of that other stuff matters. You're only as good as what the left needs you for. That's it. And if you won't go along with them on everything, then they got no use for you. Then you're just as bad as Donald Trump. That's essentially the argument here. Why couldn't you vote yes just for this purplish state? Because he has disagreements about her judicial temperament. So he's not allowed to disagree with you? It's asinine. Richard, welcome to the program. Hello, Richard. How are you? Yeah, hey, just quick, uh, two quick points. If she can't interpret the word uh, woman, <laughs> she's not going to be able to interpret the Constitution, number one. And number two, you have an 18-year-old that is downloading kitty porn of an eight-year-old child, and she wants to play Dr. Phil and figure out, well, why is he, why is he doing it? I don't want Dr. Phil on the Supreme Court. All right, yeah, well, fair enough. It's, and the, the 18-year-old, she called 
uh, that he was uh, uh, that the, his victims were his peers. Yet the kids that were on those images were, you know, half the half of his age. So, yeah, there are concerns about whether or not she was too lenient on criminals. Absolutely right, Richard. I appreciate the call. Um, Tom Tillis's statement says, I have two criteria for reviewing the nomination of any federal judge. Their, number one, their qualifications and their commitment to adhering to the Constitution's original public meaning and federal law as written. Those, that, that's it. Their qualifications and their commitment to adhering to the Constitution's original public meaning and federal law as written. He said, however, <clears throat> based on her record, I still hold my initial concerns. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You had initial concerns? Did the McClatchy editors know that? Because it sounds like it sounds like they weren't aware of that. It sounds like they thought that you said you were just sitting down to, at the hearing and you were like, you're so qualified, you're so great, I couldn't possibly vote against you. And then all of a sudden the Republican leadership came in and said, you need to vote against, or sorry, McConnell came in and said, and then you were like, I got to vote against her because I'm just not a leader. And being a leader means doing what the McClatchy editors tell me to do. <laughs> a leader, see... To the McClatchy editorial board, being a leader in the Republican Party means doing what Democrats say. That's the standard. Pound sand, guys. Sorry. This is called the great debate. They're allowed to disagree with you. And disagreement does not make them less of a leader. He said he had initial concerns. I'm old enough to remember his opening comments, and he told her that. They had They had concerns. He had concerns. He asked her questions. He treated her respectfully. He recognized her service, her qualifications. You can have lots of qualifications and still not be right for that gig. You're not going to take the food reporter and put them on the, the tea party beat. Even though it sounds like food, it's not. Although actually you probably could. Um, I'm also disappointed that she is reluctant to take a firm public stand against a liberal dark money and court a liberal dark money court packing scheme that represents a fundamental threat to the independence of the federal judiciary this is the court packing scheme this is demand justice the organization that has spent all these millions of dollars tearing down there was a south carolina judge this is what got lindsey graham so upset he lindsey graham voted against is coming out against her he's never done that for a supreme court nominee and everybody's saying, what went wrong with Lindsey Graham? Um, maybe it's not Lindsey Graham. Maybe it's demand justice. You've got this group that tore down a Democrat, I believe a black woman judge out of South Carolina. And went after her, did a big ad campaign. They were running ads in Washington targeting sitting Supreme Court justices over what was the pre was, I think it was the the abortion uh, case. This is the group that wants to pack the court. And Judge KBJ refuses to weigh in on it, saying well, that's a political question. Yeah, you know what? It is. But it involves the court and the credibility of the court. Do you have no opinion about the credibility of the court? You have no opinion about this? That's weird because we're hiring you for a job where we're going to rely on you to write opinions that 330 million people are going to need to follow. Do you think you might need some credibility to back that up? Or nah, what? 
All right. Uh, that's it for me for Friday. Brett Winterville coming up next. He'll take you through the drive, and I'll see you Monday. Have a great weekend. Thanks for hanging out. I appreciate it. And uh, don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs>